Greetings, fellow travelers, vagrants, explorers, wildlanders, and welcome to episode 26 of the Retro Wildlands. My name is Nomad, and this is my gaming podcast where I like to share my thoughts and experiences with a video game that I've discovered or rediscovered while roaming the gaming wildlands. Thank you very much for tuning into the show today and joining us on our Wildlands expedition. This week has been a pretty exciting one for me, especially since we're talking about a game from the Nintendo GameCube. I had a GameCube way back when and ended up selling it after I pulled it down from the attic and learned that the disk drive was somewhat busted. I originally picked up a GameCube just because I wanted to play a couple games on it. I didn't really know or appreciate the vast library of games on the Cube at the time, and once I was nearing the end of high school, I started gravitating away from my PlayStation 2 as my main console over to the Xbox 360 where most of my friends were hanging out. So in the grand scheme of things, there was no room for the GameCube. However, just this week, I decided to change all that. I found a pre-owned black GameCube complete with licensed black controller and the Game Boy Player attachment that bolts to the bottom of the unit. This little puppy allows you to play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games straight from the cartridge. And I also have the disc that's needed to fire up that bad boy too, so everything is fully functional. I also picked up a middle-of-the-road HDMI output adapter, so everything altogether works fantastic, picture quality is great, and I am very eager to get back into the GameCube sphere. Now that I'm older and have a bit more appreciation for games in general, I'm eager to see if I can grab some games I missed out on during this console's life cycle. I did want to take a quick moment to shout out the store that I got this beauty from. If you live here in Ohio and are near Monroe Falls, check out Duck Duck Games. They're on South Main Street near the Pizza Hut and the McDonald's over there. The store has a pretty solid collection of retro games and some modern ones too. The owner has been cycling in some pretty good consoles and he even has some rare ones like the Apple Pippin. I'll be honest, I have no idea what the fuck that is, but DuckDuck Games has it, last I checked. So check them out if you're in the area. Now this isn't a paid advertisement, by the way. I've been doing business with that store for a few months now, and the owner was nice enough to let me plop a stack of retro Wildland business cards on his counter, so I wanted to share the kindness on the show. On today's episode, we're treading new console territory for the podcast, as previously mentioned. Now that I have a GameCube back in my collection, I felt it was only right to jump back into that library and pull out one of the three games I've already played for this console. The game we're covering today is the reason I purchased a GameCube back in the day, even though I didn't have any human friends to play it with. Sad, I know, but this game is amazing even as a single-player experience. And we're gonna talk about it, because today... We're talking about Super Smash Bros. Melee. So growing up, I missed out on a lot of gaming experiences with other humans. I'm an only child, and while I had my small group of nerd friends in school, we all mostly played single-player video games. Also in school, we were pretty deep into card games like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and Pokemon. Every now and then, I would go over somebody's house and they would have a Nintendo 64 with Super Smash Bros. or Star Fox 64 on it, but yeah, I missed out on a lot of couch co-op games. I'm not sure what it was, but when I saw a used GameCube at my local GameStop way back when, I decided to save up for it and eventually I bought it, along with three games. I grabbed the Resident Evil remake since I'm such an RE fan, I grabbed Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes because I'm also a huge Metal Gear fan, and then, of course, I grabbed Melee. I had some good memories of playing Smash on the N64, and while I was never good at it, I had a blast every time I picked that game up. So when I had the chance to grab Smash Bros. Melee, I took it all home one day, booted it up, and was immediately captivated by the splendor of that game. I own Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for the Nintendo Switch today, and love playing it with my stepdaughter. Every time we play together, we have a great time, and it always takes me back to the times I played Melee. 
Whether you play by yourself or with someone else, the game has a way of drawing you in and getting you engaged in it on a level that most games can't. There's iconic characters from all over the Nintendo universe to play as. There's a plethora of items to use in battle, game modes to play, and let's not forget all the fantastic music and sound effects from all over Nintendo. When you're in the trenches with Super Smash Bros., you're having a great time playing the overall game. When you take a step back and admire it from afar, it's a wonderful love letter to all things Nintendo, nostalgia, and memory. Even though it was a solo experience for me, Super Smash Bros. Melee left a pretty deep mark on me. I don't think I was the most skillful of players, I usually kept myself to just a couple characters until I thought I mastered them, but I had fun nonetheless. Now that being said, if you've come to listen to this podcast expecting me to talk about complicated attack combos, strategies, stage secrets, or anything technical like that, you're probably going to be a bit disappointed. I just want to share with you what this game was all about, what my memories were with this game, and hopefully pull on your nostalgia strings a bit. If I miss something that you're hoping that I'll talk about in this episode, please do not send me hate mail. I'm just one old guy leaning on my old man brain, so any leeway you could spare me, I would appreciate it. Now before we get to the show itself, I'd like to take a few minutes to chat a little bit, as well as give everyone a peek behind the scenes here in the Retro Wildlands. I'll usually touch on things like how the show itself is doing, what I'm working on, what may potentially be coming up on future episodes, other video game talk, or whatever else I feel like rambling about. It's randomized every single time, just like throwing a d20. You never know when you're going to hit that nat 20. You are more than welcome to hang out, but if none of that sounds like anything you want to partake in, no worries, my friend. You can skip ahead about five to seven minutes and you should get to the Super Smash Bros. Melee conversation. Just listen for some of that sweet, sweet music. Or you can check out the description of this episode and you should find timestamps so you can check out exactly where you need to go. Alright, so I've been teasing it for a little while on some past podcasts, but it is finally out. I was fortunate enough to appear as a guest on another podcast. The podcast is called The Waffling Tailors, and it's hosted by brothers Jay and Squidge. It's a fun and silly discussion about video games, both retro and modern. There's video game movie discussions, and pretty much anything related to games. They generally have guests on, and I was honored that they decided to reach out to me and have me on their latest episode. Their newest episode is called Requiem for a Jill Sandwich, and was very Resident Evil-centric, where they asked me some questions about the series in general, and pretty much hilarity just ensues. There's also a few random things thrown in for good measure, too. All told, 46 different video games were either talked about or mentioned on that episode of their show. It was a fantastic time, and I had a blast. I have always wanted to be a guest on somebody else's podcast, so now I can say that that has been accomplished. If the opportunity arises, I will absolutely be back on that show. Those gentlemen were wonderful to talk to and a pleasure to work with. So if you want to check me out in a more free-form fashion, if you like Resident Evil, or you're looking for another podcast to check out, give the Waffling Tailors a listen. I'll make it a point to put their information in this show's description if you want to check them out, but they are on a lot of the major podcast services out there. I personally listen to them on Spotify. So beyond that, I picked up a GameCube, like I said. More than anything, I'm pretty eager to get my hands on some games that I missed out on back in the day for that console. Not sure how much they will set me back in the grand scheme of things, but I'm still happy to have this gem in my collection. Ultimately, it was with the idea that I can open up a whole new set of games to cover on the show. If there's anything you think I should play or cover, please do not hesitate to let me know. This is a whole new world to discover for me, and I'm already ready to get lost in it. I do know that, one day, somehow, I want to get a hold of Skies of Arcadia Legends. My parents used to own a Dreamcast, and I played the original over there, so I am very eager to get my hands on that one somehow. I'm sure it's pricey, but... Wait a minute. Oh. Found a listing on eBay for a complete inbox copy, and it's only going for $229 US dollars, 
So yeah, I'm sure I'll pick that one right up. God damn it, video game collecting is getting out of hand. But hey, if there's anything else I can play on the GameCube that I should, please let me know. That also reminds me, I mentioned earlier on last week's episode, or maybe it was the week before, but I got a hold of the Simpsons game for the PlayStation 2. I've been wanting to play another Simpsons game with my stepdaughter and bring her back on the show for another interview, so we've been plugging away at this one. It is pretty clunky, and we are having an okay time with it, but I was fortunate enough to get a hold of The Simpsons Road Rage on the GameCube. If you've never played that one, it's pretty much like Crazy Taxi. If you've never played Crazy Taxi, it's a game where you drive around town at really high speeds, and you're taking passengers places they want to go. It's very arcadey, and it's all about racking up a high score. It's a very fun game, and The Simpsons Road Rage seems to be just as much fun. Over the weekend, I hooked it up for my kid and told her to figure out how to play it, teach me how it works, and see if she'd want to talk with me on the podcast about it. So we'll see. That one might be knocking The Simpsons game aside for the time being. I know we have at least one listener out there who's into The Simpsons, so rest assured, something is coming. Eventually. Let's see, what else do we got here? Oh, The Last of Us TV series dropped on HBO Max this past Sunday, and I have to say, if you have not seen this yet, I really think you should. I wasn't sure if this show was going to be able to pull off the same magic as the video game, but after my wife and I watched the first episode this past weekend, I think there might actually be something special here. Leading up to the release, I was not at all confident. The producers of the show, or whoever was putting it out, were saying things like, We instructed our actors to not play the video games. And things like that. I was afraid that the source material wouldn't be respected, and if the actors themselves weren't allowed to experience the very world they were trying to recreate, I was certain it was going to spell doom. But no! I think this series may actually be the real deal. Without giving anything away, I will say that the show is pretty damn faithful to the video game while adding layers of story and character development on top of everything else that fit extremely well into the narrative. It doesn't feel like padding or any extra fluff. It just feels like it all belongs, and that is awesome. The cinematography is almost masterful in my opinion, and even though I already knew where the story was going for the most part, they did a fantastic job of retelling it in such a way that was fresh and respectful to the game. Even just the little touches they added that they didn't need to add, I had a smile on my face almost the entire time. They recreated the game's opening specifically flawlessly. All the original feelings that I had for the first time playing the original game came flooding back, and that is not an easy feat for any sort of media, I'm sure. So all that to say, I'm pretty impressed with how the show's going so far. If they keep this up, The Last of Us on HBO Max will be the absolute best video game adaptation of all time. I just hope and pray they do not fuck this up. So if you've seen the new Last of Us show, what are your thoughts? I'd be curious to hear what you think. If you want to reach out to me or interact with the show in any capacity, we do have a presence over on social media. You can find us over on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram if you search at Retro Wildlands. I'm posting something pretty much every day, so feel free to throw us a follow and jump in on anything we've got going on over there. Probably the biggest benefit that you'll have is that I reveal what the next show is going to be on the weekends, and I put a call out for comments or questions to be read on the show during that time as well. So if you wanted to ask me a question, you had a comment about the game we're covering, or anything else really, you can do that on that particular post, and I'll read and respond to them on that next episode during the intro of the podcast. But if nothing else, I try to at least put some delicious video game content on your timelines and feeds, so throw us a follow if you want to add some retro spice to your timelines. Oh, and one more quick plug, I am slowly uploading the podcast over on YouTube. At the time of this recording, episodes 1 through 4 are uploaded. It's a lot slower than I want it to be, but it's because I'm adding several hundred screenshots of my gameplay to the video that cycles through on a slideshow sort of format. 
I didn't want our videos just to be a still image of our logo. Those videos take a long time to render, but the bigger issue is that I didn't record very much gameplay of the games that I covered when we first started the podcast, so I've had to go back and replay some of those games so I can recapture a lot more game footage to turn into screenshots. That being said, it'll take some time for me to fully catch up, but I think the presentation will be well worth it. So if that interests you at all, subscribe to us on YouTube. More content will be on the way at some point over there, but as per typical me, can't exactly tell you when. Alright, I think that is all I have for this week that I want to spend time rambling about. It's time to get to the reason that you're all here. It's time to talk about Super Smash Bros. Melee. Released on December 3rd, 2001 in North America, Melee is the second installment in the Smash Bros. franchise. Players take control of their favorite Nintendo characters such as Mario, Yoshi, Link, Kirby, and even Bowser, and do battle with each other across multiple stages that are designed around your favorite Nintendo franchises. But this is not your typical fighting game, my friends. Instead of trying to defeat your enemies outright, your objective is to knock them off the stage that you're fighting on. While each character has their own fighting style and moves to use, there are tons of ways to see yourself the victor. Maybe you hit your enemy with a well-timed smash attack, or perhaps you nail them with a special attack. Or what about the many items that can potentially litter the playfield? Things like the red shell from Super Mario Kart, a star rod from the land of Kirby, or even a pokeball that contains a random Pokemon that could turn the tide of battle in your favor. The possibilities are nearly endless, especially when up to four players can take the field at once. And there's no risk of things getting stale, as there's multiple game modes to play through by yourself or with a friend. You can play through Adventure Mode, All-Star Mode, or check out the stadium where you can partake in the Home Run Contest, try your hand at breaking all the targets in Target Test, or battle an army in Multi-Man Melee. There quite literally is something for everybody. So enough with the babbling, it is time for battle. Nintendo's finest have assembled and they will not back down without a fight. So grab your controller, pick your favorite character, and get ready. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to smash. get old. It doesn't matter if that was your very first time listening to that opening movie or it was your thousandth time. It never fails to get you excited and it never fails to get your adrenaline pumping. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. But the opening to Super Smash Bros. Melee is pretty high up there on my best video game openings of all time list. Not only is it an introduction to the game itself, it's a celebration and a call to action. Every character shown is introduced in spectacular fashion, and the music itself is incredible. 
The game makes it very clear from the start that this is not going to be your typical fighting game experience. This is a contest of champions, and a spectacular showcase of Nintendo's legacy up to this point. It's a party, nay, a celebration of adventures had, journeys yet to be taken, and friendship. So for those that don't know, Super Smash Bros. made its original debut on the Nintendo 64 back in 1999. Originally, there were 12 characters to play as in total. Eight characters unlocked from the start, and then four more that you can unlock as you progress. Those included the likes of Mario, Link, Pikachu, Donkey Kong, Kirby, and Samus. I personally missed out on the Nintendo 64, having never owned one when I was a kid, but every now and then I would be at a friend's house and they would be fortunate enough to have one. I always heard kids talking about Super Smash Bros., and just the idea behind what the game was, and that you could play with up to four friends simultaneously, I wasn't even that big of a Nintendo fan growing up, but the whole idea around this game sounded awesome to me. Plus, being an only child, I did not have anyone to play games with, other than my stepdad every once in a while, so the idea of hanging out with my friends and playing a cool game with them sounded really cool to me. The few times I did get to play the original Smash were everything I had hoped for and more. I love teaming up with friends in team battle, or just going nuts in free-for-all matches. I was never all that great at the game since the other kids could spend so much time with it, but I held my own okay. Because he didn't seem like a complicated character to master, and I've always had a bias towards characters with swords, Link quickly became my main. I remember one team battle where my partner was out, and it was just me against two other kids. I had one life left, and it was me against Pikachu and Ness. I played as aggressively as I could and tried to make sure that I kept close enough to the enemy so that they wouldn't be able to use as many of their ranged attacks on me. It. Was. Awesome. I dropped into this flow state, and while I took the occasional hit and my damage was approaching 150% or so, I was landing attack after attack. Soon, the crowd even started to cheer for me. It was all a blur after that. Eventually, I had both of them on either side of me, and I activated Link's special attack where he spins his sword in a 360-degree slashing motion. It hit both Pikachu and Ness at the exact same time, and their damage percentage was high enough that it knocked them both way off the screen. And then, the announcer called it. Game set! And with that, I had won. Those of us that have played any Smash Brothers game up to this point probably have a story like that. Maybe it's a tale of victory against incredible odds, or maybe just a tale of when friends come together and enjoy each other's company. We all hold this game close to our hearts for many reasons. That's the biggest reason I wanted to get a hold of Super Smash Bros. Melee way back when. Even if I was playing by myself, I was hoping to recapture some of the glory days, and also put more time into a franchise that many consider to be one of the best. And if you've never played any of these games before, I hope I do a solid job explaining not just what this game is, but how it can make you feel. So, in order to do that, we need to slide Super Smash Bros. Melee under the microscope and see what it is that we're working with. Before we get started, I do have a couple quick notes that I might have mentioned in the intro, but I wanted to reiterate for you Smash Bros. diehards out there. First, I am going to keep the conversation focused on what Melee has to offer. While I might make some comparisons to older and newer titles, I'm primarily going to be speaking to Melee. And second, if you've come here to listen to me talk about the best character moveset strategies or get really nitty-gritty into the finer points of gameplay, prepare to be disappointed. While I had my moment in the winner's circle from time to time, I was never a fantastic Smash player. I wasn't then, and I still am not now. 
My perspectives are just that of a middle-aged man gushing over a good game and diving into some of the gameplay elements for nostalgia's sake. As Maverick said in the latest Top Gun movie, I just want to manage expectations. So with that said, let's get to it. So, what is this game? Super Smash Bros. Melee is considered a crossover fighting game where characters from different Nintendo franchises come together to do battle with each other. Melee is a game that can certainly be played alone against computer opponents, but where it really shines is playing with friends. Battles in Melee can have up to four characters at once, and since the GameCube has four controller ports built right into the front, it is pretty easy for everyone to join up for some local playtime, so long as everyone has a controller. At its very core, the concept of Super Smash Bros., regardless of which title you play, is a pretty simple one. In order to defeat your opponent, you just need to knock them off the stage that you're currently playing on. That's it. Smash is not like traditional fighting games where each player has a set amount of health and the loser is the player who loses all of their character's health. In Smash, when a character takes damage, it's measured by a percentage. Everyone starts at zero and as damage is dealt out, that percentage goes up. As a character's damage percentage goes up, they become easier to knock around, thereby easier to knock off the stage. Easy as that. Deal damage to your enemy, increase their damage percentage, knock them off the stage, enjoy your triumph. It's such an easy concept to wrap your head around, but Smash isn't always that simple though. Characters have an assortment of moves that they can use, and characters are able to use some of those moves to try and get back onto the stage if they're flung off. It creates an incredible back and forth between players who are fighting for dominance and really gives Smash Brothers an arcade sort of feel to it. As far as any sort of story goes, well, Melee really doesn't have one. Fighting games in general usually have a very loose story or reason for everyone to get together and beat the shit out of each other, but Melee doesn't really have that. And you know what? That is perfectly fine by me. If I want to lay a beat down on Pikachu and send him flying off the side of my TV screen at warp speed, I should not need a reason to do that. It should just be something that I can do. And in Super Smash Bros. Melee, you can do that and much, much more. So when it comes to breaking this game down, I think the best place to start is with the roster of characters. When I think back to the original Super Smash on the N64, it's hard not to get a bit of a nostalgic vibe. But really, looking back, I see a game that had nothing but potential. All told, there weren't very many characters to choose from originally. There were only 12, which was a shame considering the amount of Nintendo's IP that they could have potentially pulled from. But it's not really a knock on the original. I'm sure they could only fit so much onto that little cartridge. But I do remember playing the original way back when and thinking it would be cool to see some other characters like Bowser, Princess Peach, Diddy Kong, hell, even Mewtwo, the most craziest and powerful of all the Pokemon. When Smash Bros. Melee stepped onto the scene, they definitely brought more characters to play with. A total of 26, a little more than double. It was awesome, and there was some pretty good representation across the board. They added more characters from game franchises already represented, like Falco from Star Fox, Bowser and Peach even showed up from the Mario series, and Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda series. They also introduced characters Roy and Marth from the Fire Emblem series. At the time, I had no idea what the hell Fire Emblem even was, but from what I read, that series was still exclusive to Japan when Melee came out, so it was pretty cool to have some new characters like that. So across 26 characters, we have representation from the Super Mario series, Legend of Zelda, Pokemon, Earthbound, F-Zero, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, Fire Emblem, and Kirby series. We also got a few throwback characters. The Ice Climbers were part of the roster, and Mr. Game and Watch. It literally was a Nintendo smorgasbord. With 26 characters, there really is something here for everyone. 
But I will say, the closer I looked at the roster, I started to notice something. Really, some of the characters on offer here are just copies of one another. Example, Mario and Dr. Mario more or less have the same movesets. And that's not the only pairings. Pikachu and Pichu are practically identical, so are Roy and Marth, Fox and Falco, Young Link and Link, and from what I can tell, Captain Falcon and Ganondorf are pretty similar too. I mean, this isn't the worst thing ever, and each variation of character has just enough uniqueness about them to be considered their own character, but overall, I am very happy with 26 characters, but... I don't know, when I sit and think about it all, it's almost as if they wanted to get as many characters in the game as possible, but didn't have enough time to really flesh them all out and make them all super unique. It was just something that I noticed as an adult nomad, and I thought I'd throw it in there and mention it. So with 26 characters to choose from, where do we go from here? While I always thought the hardest choice I had to make was which character to play as, really, it's what game mode you want to jump in. Smash Bros. Melee has a ton of things to do, but I think before we start our journey down that rabbit hole, I think we need to jump into just a regular battle and get a feel for how the game actually works. What do you think? So while there's a couple one-player game modes like Classic Mode, Adventure Mode, and All-Star, the Classic versus Mode called Melee is where we'll start. So let's start there. Let's boot the game up and get some things rolling. Okay, here we go. We have several options on the main menu, but since we just want to get into a quick match, we're going to select Versus Mode. From here, we're going to select Melee. Just to make sure we knew what we picked, the announcer chimes in to confirm our selection. Melee! Now, one of the more versatile things about standard battles is that you have access to so many customization options. At the very top of the screen is the standard rule set. By default, it's set to 2 minute KO fest. This basically means that you want to get as many KOs as you can in 2 minutes. Highest score wins. However, we can change that rule set to so much more. If we move our cursor up to it and select it, we're shown a set of rules that we can mess with. Another popular choice is to select stock. Choosing stock more or less activates a last man standing sort of mode where each character has a set number of lives, or stock, and once you run out, you're out. There's also a coin rule set where the winner is the one who can collect the most coins that appear on screen, and a bonus rule set where you compete for points that you earn based on your fighting style. You'll get points for things like landing so many attacks, using items, dodging, etc. For me, Bonus was a very forgettable rule set. I never really used it all that much, but honestly, I'm kind of curious what your favorite rule set is. Personally, I have always been a fan of stock battles where you have a set amount of lives. When you play timed battles, I feel like I lose focus and just try to wail on enemies as quickly as I can to get as many KOs as I can, and I don't really have a discipline about how I play. I always feel rushed, and I don't really like that. Now, that is not to say I don't have fun using a timed rule set. It's still a blast. But I like having so many lives because not only does it give me an opportunity to KO more opponents, I feel more cognizant of my own self on the battlefield. What I mean is, I play a little bit more strategically, and I'm a little bit more cautious, trying to set up the perfect hit, and dodging whatever I can. So for our match right now, I think we're going to go ahead and choose stock. Now below that, when we choose that option, we can choose how many lives we have. Let's select one, or else we might be here all day. When we exit the menu, the announcer lets us know that the game has changed, and now we're playing a game of survival. Survival. From here, we need to select our characters. Link is, and will always be, my main, so we select him, Link, and we select my personal favorite punching bag, Pikachu. Pikachu! I 
don't know what it is, but beating on poor Pikachu just brings a joy to my heart that I just can't explain. He just sounds so cute, even when I'm beating him mercilessly. Does... does that make me a bad person? D uh, don't answer that. Anyway, when we're done here, we have one last choice to make. We have to decide what stage to play on. While the original Smash Brothers had only 9 stages, Melee contains 29. Not all of them are open all at once, and you'll have to earn some of them as you go, but that's pretty impressive. Each stage is modeled after a specific game in the Nintendo universe. Princess Peach's Castle is here, Brinstar from Metroid, Jungle Japes from Donkey Kong, and more. My personal favorite stage has always been the Hyrule Temple from The Legend of Zelda. It's a fairly big stage overall, but it has several planes that you can fight on. Some are kind of up high, some are in the middle of the screen, and there's others that are towards the bottom of the screen. Because this stage is so vast, it never really got old to me. Plus, I instantly fell in love with the music that plays in this stage. It's a remixed version of the temple theme from Zelda 2: The Adventure of Link on the NES. You know, that one game in the Zelda series that nobody likes? Yeah, well, I kinda like it, but that's something we'll get into on another episode of the show. Anyway, we select the temple and we get ready to fight. Ready? Go! When the battle begins, Link and Pikachu are at opposite ends of the stage. At the bottom of the screen, we can see Link and Pikachu's damage percentages. They start at 0%, but that is going to change quickly. Alright, so a quick run-through of our moves to get you acquainted, or shake off some of the cobwebs if you're a Smash veteran. All characters move left to right when you press the control stick on your controller in that direction. Each character moves at their own speed, so some are faster than others. Pikachu should have the speed advantage here if I remember correctly, and I think Link's a little on the slower side because he's hauling around his sword and shield. If you press lightly on the control stick in one direction, you can actually make your character walk instead of run. Because I am not, at all, an expert Smash player, I don't know if this is a skill I should be using more often, but I would rarely have a reason to walk during battle. But the option is there. All characters have the ability to jump as well. Some characters jump higher than others overall, and your basic jump does have two different heights. Tap the jump button to jump just a little ways, hold it to jump as high as you can, or at least as high as your character will go. You can also do a double jump as well. This means that when you're in the air, hitting the jump button again will propel you up even further. This is something you're going to get a ton of use out of, so definitely keep this in mind. Once you do do a double jump, you won't be able to double jump again until you've either hit the ground or you grab onto a ledge. If I remember right, some characters can actually double jump multiple times without hitting the ground, like uh, Kirby for instance, although his jump height is pretty limited to kind of compensate for that. Okay, I'm getting pretty irritated with Pikachu's dumb little Pokemon face, so I say we head on over there and rearrange it a little bit. As far as attacking goes, while all characters have their own unique movesets, performing the attacks are pretty universal across everyone. For starters, when you're on the ground, tapping the A button will be a quick jab-like attack. For Link, this is a quick sword slash. For Pikachu, it is a headbutt that is stupidly fast. Double tapping the control stick will have your character dash, and while you're dashing, pressing the attack button will see your character do a dash attack. If you tilt the control stick in a particular direction, such as side to side, up or down, you can focus your attack in that particular direction. Now probably the most useful attack that you can perform is the smash attack. If you press the control stick in the direction that you want to attack and hit the attack button at the same time, you'll perform a smash attack. Holding the attack button before releasing it will actually charge this attack up. This is a great way to deal massive damage and knock an enemy back. So now that we know what that is, I say let's give it a try on poor old Pikachu here. Oh yeah, look at him fly! 
Pikachu doesn't have enough damage dealt to him yet for him to fly all that far, so we rush after him to continue the offensive. But Pikachu has something up his sleeve. Calling up to the sky, Pikachu summons a lightning bolt right on top of himself as we get close. The lightning bolt makes contact with us, and we take some decent damage and fall backwards. Pikachu used another type of move that we have at our disposal called a special attack. Each character usually has four special attacks, and you can activate them with the B button. You can press B when you aren't moving, press B when you're moving to the side, B when you press up on the control stick, and B when you press down on the control stick. Special moves are something that you'll really want to get a feel for, so you can understand the particular nuances your character has, and know how they can most effectively use them in a fight. So now that we know that we have special attacks, I think it's time we return the favor back to poor little Pikachu. My favorite special attack with Link is his spinning attack. Pressing up on the control stick and the B button while on the ground will have Link spin on his heels in a 360 degree motion a few times, his sword extended. If Pikachu gets hit with this, it'll deal some decent damage and usually send him flying. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Oh yeah, right in the mouth. Pikachu isn't through yet though, he heads our way and starts to attack. Luckily for us, we have some options. Holding the right trigger down, we can activate a shield. While our shield is up, we can block most attacks. The shield starts out big and gradually gets smaller as you hold the button down. When your shield absorbs enemy attacks, it will shrink a little bit faster. You want to make sure that you don't hold your shield for too long or let the enemy reduce the size of your shield to nothing. If that happens, your shield will break, and you'll become stunned, leaving yourself wide open to attacks. You can also dodge while you're shielded too. Holding the right trigger and tapping the control stick in either direction will have you roll in those directions, so that's pretty useful too. Now that we've successfully avoided Pikachu's attacks, I think it's about time we end this fight. All the moves we learned can be performed in the air, so allow me to demonstrate my favorite way of knocking an opponent off the stage. With Link, I love using a smash attack that's aimed upwards. Link will do a three-hit combo, and on the last swing, it'll launch his opponent straight up. When Pikachu gets launched upwards, he goes pretty high because his damage percentage has started to climb as we've been wailing on him but not quite high enough to be ejected from the stage. At this point, I like to finish off my opponent with an airborne special. For Link, he can use his spinning blade in the air, which ends with an upward slash. It takes some lining up, but if you can pull it off, not only does it look pretty badass, it'll do some decent damage and fling your opponent pretty far. Let's end Pikachu with this magnificent maneuver, shall we? Yeah. Perfect hit! And there goes Pikachu flying over the horizon. Goodbye, buddy! And with that, the game is ours. The announcer calls the end of the match. Ah, yeah, sweet, sweet victory. I should feel bad since I normally use Pikachu as my sparring partner. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love him to death, but it's just so fun. You don't have any issues with being my training buddy, do you, Pikachu? Pika, Pika! Oh yeah, we have fun. Now overall, I barely touch the surface when it comes to the overall gameplay, but in terms of keeping it basic and simple, that's pretty much the general gist. Combat in this game is very fast-paced, and it only gets crazier when there's more characters on screen. While there are certainly more nuances to mention regarding the game's controls, attacking, and defending, it doesn't take much to be able to play this game. Really, the hard part is finding a character with a moveset that you like, and then putting in the time with that character to get good at them. If I could sum up the controls and gameplay and melee in just one phrase, it would be easy to learn, hard to master. So other than the actual gameplay experience, which I assume most people are probably familiar with up to this point, what is it about Super Smash Bros. Melee that's so damn special? 
If I had to sum it all up, I would say it's the journey. Not only are there a plethora of game modes and plenty of rule variants that you can tweak, there is a decent amount of unlockable content and prizes to find. Now, we are not talking about downloadable content here. Mommy and Daddy's credit card will not get you all the best characters and unlock all the levels for you. You are going to have to earn them. And while that really does sound tedious, it actually isn't. The way Melee allows you to unlock content is done almost masterfully. With everything there is to uncover, it's as if the game was designed to be played for many months or even years. While unlocking new characters is somewhat straightforward-ish, you'll be discovering new things almost by accident. And that's the key word there, discovery. You aren't just going to be playing through the regular modes and expect to unlock stages or game modes until there's nothing left. While there is some of that in Melee, most everything else you unlock are things that you just kind of stumble across as you go. Anytime I made a new discovery, it was actually kind of a big deal to me, and the game actually treats it that way. Not only did I love Melee for the gameplay experience, I just wanted to uncover all of its secrets, find all of its treasures. Because of that, even playing this game by myself, it never really got old to me. So that being said, one of the best parts about Melee for me, and I think many others who have played this game, are the trophies. There are 290 individual trophies to collect in this game. They can be things like Nintendo characters, items, monsters, and they aren't just all from Melee, they are literally from all across the Nintendo universe. Like, one of my favorite trophies was the Excite Bike from the NES game Excite Bike. All the trophies that you get allow you to examine them, turn them around, and look at all their edges, and there's a lot of detail to be had. The trophies themselves are often 3D images of characters and whatever else that you can find. I personally love the descriptions that are baked into each trophy, which offer backstory or some other interesting tidbits of information. As I collected a bunch of them, I would actually find myself cycling through all the trophies and reading about all of them. It was really interesting to me, and it was a real driver when it came to how much actual time I spent on this game. I don't know how long it actually took in the grand scheme of things, but I did earn every single trophy you could possibly get back in the day. I'm sure I had to put over 100 hours into this game to get to that point. Or at least that's how many hours I felt like I put into this game. Getting every single trophy that I possibly could is definitely an achievement that I am still very much proud of, and a journey that I would absolutely take again. Obtaining trophies is a fun little thing to do all on its own, so how exactly do you do it, you may be wondering. Well, the easiest ways are just by playing the different game modes and finishing them with all the characters. Which, I think now is a good time to dive into some of the game modes just to give everyone an idea of all the fun times to be had, especially if you fly solo like I did. First up, there's a classic mode that you can partake in. Classic mode is your standard one-player mode where you choose a character, you choose how many lives you want and the difficulty level that you want to fight at, and then you are off to venture through 10 or 11 stages, I think it was. The very last level is always a fight with the evil that is the Master Hand. Once you're through this game mode, you'll get rewards such as trophies and Smash Coins. More on those coins in a little bit. Next is a mode that I absolutely love, called Adventure Mode. So in this mode, we have to make our way through longer areas as well as partake in some battles. The areas themselves we have to go through are side-scrolling areas, so it's almost as if you're playing an old-school Mario level with your Smash character. Speaking of, the very first level in Adventure Mode is actually the Mushroom Kingdom, and it has you going through a pretty standard Mario-esque level, complete with bricks to smash, Goombas to stomp on, and Koopas to murder. Along the way, you can find trophies hidden in the stages by defeating enemies, or by pounding on some of the destructible items in the environment. Adventure Mode is a fantastic change of pace that doesn't feel gimmicky, but is also really gimmicky in the best way possible. 
Some stages you'll go through include the Hyrule Dungeon, which isn't really a side-scroller per se, it's just an area that you can explore with monsters to fight off and treasure to uncover. I absolutely loved playing this game mode the most, and it allowed you to use your characters in different ways. Since your movesets are geared towards character-on-character -character combat, using your special moves or smash attacks on generic enemies from across the Nintendo universe actually requires some thought. I loved using Link's bow and arrow special attack to clear out oncoming Goombas just because I didn't use his bow as much as I would have liked to in regular Smash combat. That's why I feel like this mode is kinda gimmicky, but not really at the same time. It forced me to play a completely different way and rethink how I use a character I already thought I had mastered. Plus, finding trophies in this mode just feels a little bit more rewarding to me, but that might just be me. Another game mode that I always had a fun time with was the multi-man melee mode. It's essentially a gauntlet mode where wave after wave of enemies come on screen and you have to defeat as many of them as you can before you yourself are defeated. Generally, enemies are pretty easy to knock out, but as you keep going, it can get pretty hard. There's also a couple different variants to this mode too. 10-man melee, 100-man melee, 10-minute mode, even an endless one that only stops when you perish. And then they also have a cruel mode, which is, you know, pretty cruel, actually. All in all, multi-man melee is another great way to play, and another great way to earn yourself some Smash Coins. Ooh, and I should probably mention the Home Run Contest. In this little mode, you're trying to hit a sandbag as far as you can. When the game starts, you have about 10 seconds to do as much damage to the bag as possible, and right at the end of your time, you want to pick up the home run bat item, perform a smash attack with it, and launch the sandbag as far as you possibly can. It sounds really simple, and it kinda is, but where I always got the most enjoyment out of this mode was trying to find ways to damage the sandbag more and more each time by experimenting with different moves and combos with a variety of characters. If you were able to get the sandbag's damage count high enough, I found I was able to actually hit the sandbag pretty damn hard without having to use the bat. Captain Falcon is a great example of this. Most Smash Bros. veterans know about his Falcon Punch ability. It is pretty iconic, after all. Racking up enough damage and then hitting the sandbag with the Falcon Punch sends it flying pretty damn far. Speaking of the Falcon Punch, how does that go again, Captain? Falcon Punch! <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff. And I'm pretty sure you can get some more Smash Coins in this game mode, too. The last game mode I wanted to highlight was the Event Match mode. This mode really tested your skills in Melee. While there are only 10 open to start, each event match is sort of like a mini-mission that you have to complete under certain circumstances. Some events allow you to choose whatever character you want, while others restrict you to a specific one. For instance, the first event, called Trouble King, has you playing with Mario and you only have two lives. You just need to defeat Bowser. Simple. But then there's an event called Pokemon Battle. You choose whoever you want to play as, and you're going against Pikachu, my favorite little punching bag. All you have to do is defeat him, but here's the kicker. Pikachu will only take damage by being hit with Pokemon that you have to unleash using the Pokeball items that appear on the stage. It's like you're fighting Pikachu, but with actual Pokemon. I thought it was pretty unique, all things considered. Oh, here's another one. An event called Seconds, anyone? This one has you choose your character, and then you're put up against Captain Falcon. You each have one life, and you both start with 100% damage. To succeed at this event, you have to beat Falcon in 7 seconds or less. I really enjoyed working my way through all of these different matches and missions, and some of them were just downright hard. It was very rewarding seeing myself win them all one at a time, and if you are able to complete them all, you unlock a new stage that you can play in. Along the way, some events will grant you trophies, and you should also be banking some Smash Coins as well. 
Oh, I lied. I have a few more honorable mentions to bring up now that I think about it. Within the special melee option under the versus mode menu, there's a couple pretty unique modes to play against the computer or play against your friends. There's stamina mode where your damage percentage is replaced with actual hit points, so all you have to do is beat your opponent enough and when they run out of HP, they're knocked out. There's super sudden death where everyone begins with 300% damage and all you have to do is blow on your opponent to send them flying. Giant and tiny melee, where characters are huge or small respectively. Invisible melee, which is as awful as it sounds. Lightning melee, where everything is stupid fast. And slow-mo melee, where everything is stupid slow. There is just so much content here. How I ended up 100% unlocking everything in this game when I was younger is beyond me. I probably could have used that time to finish college at that rate. So those are the majority of the game modes, at least the ones that are my favorites. As you play through them all, and even if you play regular battles against the computer and with your real life buddies, you'll start to acquire more and more coins. So what do you do with all of them? Simple, you spend them. There is a lottery option on the main menu which will take you to a machine that has trophies inside of it. If you put a coin in and pull the handle, you'll be rewarded with a trophy. Simple as that. Where it gets fun, though, is that there are some trophies that are only attainable using this machine. As you get trophies this way, the odds of you getting anything new actually start to decrease, and you can see that percentage displayed up on the screen. You can add more coins to the machine before you pull the lever, and this will increase your odds of getting something new, but this can start to get pretty expensive. Or you could just take a chance on lower percentages and just see what happens. It's kind of a dumb little thing in all honesty. I never really liked having unlockables that were left to chance, but for some reason it just seems to feel right at home here in Melee. If I put a coin in the machine and didn't get anything, I didn't really mind it all that much. And if I ran out of coins, I would just go back and play the game again. Since the game was so much fun, I never had an issue with it. <laughs> now that I think about it, whenever I was done with a play session, and I hope I'm not the only one here, I would actually go and just look at all my trophies. I remember a view where you could see them all splayed out on a table, and you could just look at them all. I had a sense of growing pride anytime I saw that pile grow, and I loved flipping through all of the trophies individually to read all their descriptions and just learn a little something new about Nintendo, its characters, or just get a little bit of history. It actually sort of became a little bit of a tradition for me. Nine times out of ten when I went to go end my gaming session for the night, I would thumb through my trophies. And it mostly just worked because at the time I was living alone in a trailer and didn't have a way to watch TV or anything at that point, so yeah, that was my entertainment. Woohoo! <laughs> One of the last points that I want to make regarding Melee is about the overall presentation. I usually talk about presentation first, but it kind of made sense to leave it for last. Visually speaking, the game looked gorgeous way back when, and it still looks gorgeous today. All the stages you play through are colorful and vibrant. Character models look great, even if they do look like they're just slight improvements over old N64 models. But beyond that, item effects, lighting, the whole nine yards, it all looks fantastic. Melee is a visual feast for the eyes, and now that I think about it, I don't think I ever dealt with any sort of slowdown, even with multiple opponents, items, and effects on screen. Oh, and let us not forget the fantastic music, too. In the grand scheme of things, it is not at all uncommon to have music that we grew up with be remixed into something different. But there was something about the music in Super Smash Bros. Melee. You'll find your typical remixes like the Super Mario Bros. theme and even some orchestral tunes as well. I would go so far as to say the soundtrack for Melee is better than the rest of the Super Smash Bros. games. I'll occasionally pull up some of the tunes online and add them to my video game music rotation to jam out while I'm working. 
Everything about the presentation just screams polish, care, and fan service. And I mean that in the best possible way. So when I take a step back and really look at Super Smash Bros. Melee, it is hard for me to find something that I don't like about it. I know there's plenty of people out there that are much more skilled at this game than I am, and I'm sure there's probably still competitions being held with this game, but at its core, Melee is just a fun game through and through. Hell, the whole series is fantastic. While I dabbled with the OG a bit when I was a kid and completely missed Brawl on the Wii, I put a ton of time in the Melee, Smash Brothers for my 3DS, and Smash Brothers Ultimate. And when I look at all the entries after Melee, I can see Melee in all of them. Melee was the rock that is the foundation of this entire series, and one of Nintendo's crowning achievements in video games. Smash Bros. overall is the type of game where, no matter what I am doing, where I'm at, or who's asking me, if someone wants to play this game, I am in. Guaranteed. And that right there is why I always hold Melee in such high regard. This game has been out for over 20 years at this point. I've done everything that you could possibly do in this game from an unlockable standpoint. I have quite literally poured hundreds of hours into this game and largely did it by myself. Yet I will still sit down with it or any game in the series without a second thought. If there's a game out there that could do that to you, even now, marry it immediately. You belong together. So as we wrap it all up, I hope I did Super Smash Bros. Melee just a little bit of justice on the show today. I know with everything that I talked about, I barely scratched the surface when it comes to how amazing this game is. This is a game though that is pretty easy to talk about, but when it comes to explaining the magic behind it all, it's kinda hard. It's like trying to convince people why Top Gun is my favorite movie of all time, or trying to explain why I love mushrooms on my pizza. At the end of the day, they're just good, and I enjoy them. Melee is the type of game where you can be the most hardcore gamer out there, or a complete beginner, and still have a fun time playing it. It's a celebration of all things Nintendo, and really, it's a celebration of camaraderie and friendship. While competition can get fierce and things can get pretty heated sometimes, I never walk away from Smash feeling frustrated or defeated. I always have a good time, and I'm always willing to jump in to just one more match. That's an appeal that will never go away for me. Maybe I can win if I just change up this one tactic. Or maybe I can win if the right item falls onto the battlefield. Or maybe I just say fuck it and I team up with the opponent and raise some hell in some team battles. The possibilities are endless, and with that comes endless joy. Super Smash Bros. Melee just oozes a magic that no other game can quite match. And if anyone ever comes up to me and asks if I want to smash, my answer will always be yes. And with that, our time together has come to an end. This has been episode 26 of the Retro Wildlands, Super Smash Bros. Melee for the Nintendo GameCube. Thank you again for hanging out with us on our Wildlands expedition today, friend. I really enjoyed having you with us. Smash Bros. will always be a special franchise to a lot of people. It's a game series that has created a lot of memories and perfectly captures that just one more game feeling. While Super Smash Bros. is certainly geared towards playing with friends, it's absolutely a fun time even if you're playing by yourself. You don't even have to be a huge fan of all the game franchises represented to get your enjoyment here. That is the beauty of this game and why I think Super Smash Bros. will be around for a very, very long time to come. 
If you like the show and want to show it and myself some support, please consider subscribing to the show on your preferred podcasting platform and leaving us a good review. Good reviews will help the podcast pop up more often in searches and just increases our overall visibility, so if you have a minute of your time, I would really appreciate it. If your platform does not allow for reviews, follows or subscriptions on your platform can certainly help as well. Plus, you'll be the first to know when I drop new episodes. Beyond all this, the best way that you can help support the podcast is to tell your family and friends about it. Better yet, if you have someone prepare your taxes, you can let them know about the show too. Tax season is upon us here in the United States and nothing makes me say, let's just get this over with, quite like doing taxes and number crunching. So if you have someone you work with during these dark times, let them know about the podcast. Listening to the show might dull the pain of having to scroll through tax form after tax form and make working with your tax person that much more tolerable. Or it could potentially make it much worse if you have to listen to me while you're doing it, so... Nah, it's a choice I leave up to you, my friend. And don't forget, you can check us out on social media if you want to follow or interact with the show at all. You can find us over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube by searching at Retro Wildlands. If you follow us on social, I will try and follow you back. It's the best way to get a hold of me directly, so if you wanted to give me some more direct feedback about the show, message me, chit-chat, whatever you want, that is where you can do it. I do my absolute best to respond to all messages and comments on posts, so feel free to stop by and say hello. So what's coming up next week? Now that exploring the GameCube's library is on the table here in the Retro Wildlands, I've been looking to see what else I could potentially get my hands on. My stepdaughter and I are actively working on trying to get a Simpsons game back on the show, so that'll be happening in the future. I've also been looking to cover Parasite Eve 2 on the PlayStation. The first Parasite Eve was our very second episode, and I do want to cover the sequel at some point. I have a week-long trip for work coming up in February, and I already have a lot of what I need for a show already in the bank, so that episode may be the one I drop while I'm away doing adult work things. Super Smash TV is also on my radar, I just need to sit down with that one and start exploring it a bit. So needless to say, next week is still very much up in the air, but if you follow us over on social media, you'll find out this weekend what I eventually settle on. Or you can wait until next week and be completely surprised. That is the beauty and the wonder of the Wildlands, my friends. Once we set off, even if we have a destination in mind, we never really know what we'll come across. Whatever that may be, I hope you decide to join us again on our expedition. You will always have a place here. Until then, my friends, my name is Nomad, and you can find me roaming the retro Wildlands. (laughs) 